VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And thank you for joining us. Much of this past late February and early portion of the month of March here on VCY was spent promoting our annual spring rally. Held here in southeast Wisconsin, people join us from miles around at the Waukesha Expo for fellowship, exhortation from special guest speakers, which always translates to hearing from God's Word. While we realize not everyone can attend the rallies here in southeast Wisconsin, much work is done behind the scenes and the sounds to broadcast the rally on the VCY network. Today's special treat is that we are revisiting that rally. So if you were listening then, you get to hear it again. But quite possibly many more will be hearing this for the first time. Time will not allow us to broadcast the entire rally, but we will certainly endeavor to bring you a majority of the speech, the teaching from Pastor Lutzer, but then we'll also be sharing with you the information how you may receive a copy of the rally for yourself on DVD or CD for audio listening. What do you say? Let's get started. VCY Executive Director Jim Schneider was on hand for the formal introduction. It is our privilege to have with us tonight Dr. Erwin Lutzer. He is Pastor Emeritus of the Moody Church in Chicago, uh, serving there for some 36 years as senior pastor. But many of you know him more as the speaker on Running to Win and also Songs in the Night, which has been airing many, many years on VCY America. He is also an award-winning author, several books. We mentioned some, uh, The Power of a Clear Conscience, The Cross and the Shadow of the Crescent, Life-Changing Bible Verses You Should Know, uh, When a Nation Forgets God, We Will Not Be Silenced, No Reason to Hide, and many other titles as well. His message tonight is one that's been burning on his heart for some time, and it's one that we need to hear in times like this, We Will Not Bow. Let's welcome Dr. Erwin Lutzer here tonight as he comes to speak for us this evening. So how in the world are you all doing? I thought the cold weather might keep you away, but then I remembered that there are many people who, despite the cold weather, go to Green Bay to see a football game. That's what you're known for, and of course your greatest rival is the great and wonderful city of Chicago. And guess who wins most games? <laughs> I have to tell you that uh, I know that this is hard to believe because I look much younger, but I'm actually 81 years old. And... Uh, The good thing about old age is, it doesn't last very long. <laughs> my lovely wife Rebecca is here. Would you stand please, honey? This is my wife Rebecca. We've been married for 53 years. 53 years. Now, you'd be surprised at the number of people who get married and they have no idea what marriage is. So I'll tell you what marriage is in a single sentence. It's the counseling you should have received before you got married. Marriage is two people solving problems together that they'd have never had if only they'd stayed single. <laughs> Do I have a witness? I want to tell you, Jim, I'm so appreciative of the ministry of VCY, your partnership, running to win, the expansion of stations around the country. And so from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you to you, to the radio station, to all of those who support this ministry, and to all of you who are here tonight. Thank you. We love you, 
and we deeply appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight. I want to ask a question tonight. How many of you have never been to Moody Church? Could I see your hands, please? <gasps> Rebecca. That's almost everyone. It's not necessary to visit Moody Church to go to heaven. Well, why take a chance? Thank you again for the privilege of being here. And it is my privilege to speak to you today on the topic, We Will Not Bow. Solzhenitsyn, in his book, The Gulag, tells a very interesting story. Solzhenitsyn said that in 1937, there was a speech given, and uh, it was in a, a deputy who extolled the virtues and the greatness of Stalin. It is said that when he was finished, everyone stood up to clap. I'll read directly from Solzhenitsyn. The applause went on and on, six, seven, eight minutes. They were done for. Their goose was cooked. They couldn't stop now until they collapsed. At the rear of the hall, which was crowded, they could, of course, cheat a little bit, clap a little less frequently, a little less vigorously, not so eagerly. Nine minutes, ten minutes, insanity. To the last man, with make-believe enthusiasm on their faces, looking each at each other with faint hope. Of course, they were wondering who's going to sit down first. After 11 minutes of nonstop clapping, the director of a paper factory finally decided enough was enough. He stopped clapping and sat down. A miracle. Every man, everyone else stopped dead and sat down. That same night, the director of the paper factory was arrested and sent to prison for 10 years. Authorities came up with some official reason for this sentence, but during his interrogation, he was told, don't ever be the first one to stop clapping. How does freedom die? Solzhenitsyn would say with thunderous applause, everybody clapping at the Soviet system. Let me ask you a question tonight. Could it be, is America being Sovietized? Victor David Hansen asked that question. He gave a number of reasons. I shall select only two. Perhaps I shall comment on another one of my own. Is America being Sovietized? And he answered yes for this reason, that in the Soviet Union it was not merit that enabled you to climb the ladder. It was not merit, it was loud enthusiasm for the communist system. The real issue was this, are you clapping? It wasn't competency, and the same is happening today. You know, you have a PhD in chemistry, it used to be that people who did that, they could be Christians, they could go and uh, teach chemistry somewhere if they were good teachers. But nowadays, that isn't enough if you want to teach at a university. You're going to be asked, are you willing to, be, uh, to sign on to uh, the diversity studies? And are you comfortable with multiple pronouns and on board with the LGBTQ community? And, and you have to buy into ideology because no longer it's competency, but rather loud enthusiasm for the orthodoxies of the day. I could give you many illustrations. I'm thinking, for example, of a dentist friend of mine who said that he had to take diversity training. And when it was over, he's the only one who asked a question. He said this, that um, the question was, I treat my Muslim patients, my LGBTQ patients, I, teach the, I uh, treat them all equally, my goal is to be a good dentist. I make no distinction regarding people. But why do I have to give deference to the LGBTQ community? And the answer was, well, this is their identity. And if you don't, you could be in for a lawsuit. Clap, and the louder, the better. How relevant is this? Well, I'll tell you exactly how relevant it is. It's as relevant as this afternoon. When we had not yet left the great and wonderful city of Chicago, that city of righteousness, love, truth, and justice. 
but we were starting to get ready to come here, I received a text from a pastor friend of mine in Canada. He has in his congregation a hockey player, National Hockey League, who has been asked to, to wear the rainbow colors, and um, he decided not to, and he wrote this letter. And this letter basically was very loving. He said that everyone is welcome. He wants to respect every human being, no matter who they are and so forth, but because of his faith in Jesus Christ and his belief in the Bible, he cannot wear that particular uniform. Well, that was this afternoon. When we got here, after we had something to eat, I, I looked at my phone and I saw I was sent some of the things that were said about him on social media. He was absolutely vilified. I don't know where it's going to end, whether or not he'll be able to keep his job as a hockey player, but all that I know is you had better clap. You know that um, this, of course, happens even in sports. I could give one illustration after another. By the way, I'm going to throw in an extra little bit here, a parenthesis, and that is this. If you are asked to call a person by their different name, just the other day I finally learned what dead naming was. Dead naming was calling somebody by their original name. Dead Naming was calling Bert Bert because he was born a boy, but today he wants to be called Betty, so you had better call him Betty. If not, you were dead naming him. Now, my view is this, and I discuss this in my book, No Reason to Hide. My view is that if he wants to be called Betty, you can call him Betty because names are not gendered. But if Bert wants you to call him she, you really can't go there because it is contrary to your conscience, it's contrary to what you know, and there's so many reasons I could go into as to how to handle those situations, but that's not what I'm talking about tonight. The simple fact is, though, today ideology trumps biology, trumps science, trumps common sense. I could tell you about an all-girls school let me, I, I do have to say this because I know that there's a time limit here, I'm sure, but I'm not going to go over the time limit. Whatever it is, I haven't asked, so there's no way that I can go over. There was a pastor who preached too long, and God bless every pastor who knows that he's preached too long. And he said, doesn't anybody have a clock around here? And the person at the back said, no, pastor, but there's a calendar on the wall over there. Listening to Pastor Erwin Lutzer as he was presenting We Will Not Bow at a recent VCY rally. No doubt that you, just like us, greatly appreciate the truth that Dr. Lutzer is sharing, but then also his gentleness, his humility, and even his sense of humor. We are up against our first break he was just getting ready to tell a story about an all-girls school and the challenges there presented. We will pick this right back up, right there at his story, when Crosstalk continues on the VCY America Radio Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, have you ever seen drawings of dinosaur-like creatures on rock walls left by the Indians? Yes, Chris, I have seen them, and they are amazing. People from every continent have drawn pictures and fashioned art objects after the likeness of dinosaurs. These predate our modern discovery of dinosaur fossils, proof that man and dinosaur lived together. Evolutionists, of course, dismiss these as fanciful dream tales. They believe that the amazing dinosaurs with all their internal complexity and the DNA code could evolve by chance random processes. Maybe it's easier to think that wind and water erosion produce these dinosaur pictographs on the rocks. I'm being fanciful, of course, but at least the back-to-Genesis viewpoint is consistent within itself. If you'd like to go back to Genesis, you can find us on the web at www.icr.org. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.
We are back on the VCY America Radio Network. Today, revisiting a recent rally held here in southeast Wisconsin, headquarters to the VCY America Radio Network. The speaker was Pastor Erwin Lutzer and his presentation, We Will Not Bow. Dr. Lutzer was just preparing to tell a story regarding an all-girls school and the challenges that are there presented with the narrative of today. Acknowledging the ideology of today, how it trumps biology, how ideology trumps science, and how ideology even today trumps common sense? Here's Pastor Lutzer. But here's an all-girls school. Now they are accepting men who identify as women, of course. But now they've run into a huge problem. What about somebody who says, I'm non-binary, I'm neither a man nor a woman, I'm something else. Oy vey, can they still be a girls' school? You have to understand that we're living in an age of insanity when we are expected to accept what everybody knows is foolishness, but you had better clap or you're in trouble. So that's one reason why we are being Sovietized. There's another reason that Victor David Hansen said, and that is that in the Soviet Union, the press was fused with the ideology of the moment. And that certainly is true today. All of us know that there's been so much censorship, and of course some of this came to light as a result of Twitter being purchased and some of the, uh, the cancel culture has come to light, but there's sure a lot more. Issues regarding the vaccines, climate change, gender issues, Christian ministry, abortion. All that you need to do is to say that which is contrary to the generally accepted ideology, and you will be canceled. I won't go into details, but even I, of all things, preaching in a church in Florida, my sermon was blocked because I said something that was totally misunderstood, but there were three words that I said that were picked up by the algorithms, and so the sermon was blocked because of misinformation. So what we have in today's society is this idea that the media basically carries the water for the ideologies of the day. Now there's another reason I want to mention tonight that I'm not sure that Victor David Hansen mentioned it, he probably did, and that has to do with uh, the courts. I'll tell you something, show me your laws and I will show you your God. And I'm referring to that because Jim just a few moments ago talked about the election that you are having here. Here's a school, for example, in uh, Missouri, and uh, it's a Christian school, very committed to Christian doctrine. It has filed a lawsuit against the government. Why? Because the government is saying that because of the fact that trans students have to be given the same rights as others, well, let me put it this way. You have a daughter, you send her to a Christian school. Would you be comfortable if her roommate were born a boy but now identifies as a girl? Well, the answer that is coming down from the elites in our society is, of course that should be okay because we're into equal rights. Do you see where this is going, friends? And that's why it is that we are in some dark times. You know, George Orwell said that he played a very mean trick on a wasp. The wasp came and sat on his plate. Orwell was eating outside. And Orwell took a knife and cut the wasp in half. And the wasp kept eating his jam as if nothing happened. Only when the wasp attempted to fly did it understand the trouble that it was in. And I'm not sure that we have fully understood the depths of the trouble we are in. But here's what I want to share with you tonight. This is nothing new. The whole idea of bowing to the cultural ideologies of the day has taken place for centuries. That's why I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, 
Daniel chapter 3. And I know that you didn't bring your Bible, but it's on your cell phone, it's on your iPad, it's on your jackhammer, it's on whatever technology you brought with you. And this isn't church exactly. But for all those who are here and those of you who are listening by radio, you need to understand what I'm doing here. If you're under 40, if you look up here for just a moment, this actually is a Bible. Do you see that? Do I have a witness? Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar sets up a statue that is 90 feet high. It's a statue of gold. Undoubtedly, it's a statue of him. At least it had a gold, a gold hue to it. And then he says this. He says, when the sound of the music comes, and I'm totally summarizing the opening 12 verses or so of the chapter 3. He says, when the sound of the music comes, I want everyone to bow. And if you do not bow before this statue, you'll be thrown into a furnace of fire. So he brings them to the plain of Dura, and he brings thousands of people there. It's a big plain that has the ability to uh, hold thousands. And the music begins, and everybody bows. Well, just about everybody. And uh, somebody comes to the king and says, Oh, king, he tattles on three people. He says, oh, king, you know, there are three Jews over there that didn't bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, affectionately known as shake the bed, make the bed, and into bed you go. (laughs) He said, they did not bow. Now we're in in verse 13 of chapter 3. And what does the Bible tell us there in verse 13? Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious, in a furious rage. He commanded that they come and see him. Now, you have to understand, he knew these guys. Do you remember when he came from, uh, when uh, the Jews came from Jerusalem to Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar was a very wicked king. His soldiers did horrible things. The same things that you hear on the news today have been done throughout history. And there were about 10,000 Jews that came. And of them, he selected those that were the brightest, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. And he said, you're going to act as my advisors because I can foresee that you have wisdom. And he trained them, and they were able to serve a wicked king. Imagine that. But only so far. So he says to them, you know, I'm actually a very nice king, and uh, I'm going to have a redo. We're going to do this again. Maybe you were gone for the weekend. You didn't get the memo. You weren't looking at your emails. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the same thing again. I'm going to give you a second chance. And this second chance is going to be your opportunity to bow, and if you don't, I'm going to make that furnace of fire even hotter until it is so hot that you for sure will burn instantly. That's the whole idea. Now here these three guys are before the king, and I hope that your Bible's open, and I hope that if it isn't open that your telephone is at this point to chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 and 18, because in these verses... We have one of the most profound statements of faith in all the scriptures. And you say, as parents, what should we be inculcating in the lives of our children and our grandchildren? What are those qualities that enabled these men to stand against the king? What are the convictions? That would be a good word. What are the convictions that we should be inculcating so that our kids can stand. First of all, they believed in the power of God. We believe, O king, this is verse 16, we have no need to answer the, I absolutely love this passage. We don't have to go into a long discussion as to 
what we're going to do as a result of this. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this situation. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. And we we even believe that he will. They believed in the power of God that he was able to deliver them even at that very late stage and even in their predicament. He said, we believe, they said, our God can deliver us if he wills it. And, of course, we all believe in the power of God. That's just basic theology, that with God nothing is impossible. God is able to deliver out of the most difficult circumstances. He can heal whomever he wishes, and there is nothing that is impossible for God except a logical contradiction. And, of course, he has to keep his promises because he's consistent. But um, there's no limit to the kind of miracles he can do. Basic theology. So we all believe in the power of God, but now we get to their belief in the providence of God. And this takes our breath away. Verse 18, but if not. But if not. We believe that we're going to be delivered. Yeah, we think so. But if not, we don't have absolute certainty that we're going to be delivered. But if not, O king, we will not bow. Amen. Amen. And by the way, I take amens. So I come from Illinois. Is it still legal to say amen in Wisconsin? Amen. Dunkirk. Germany is coming in with a huge army. And the Allies are there in Dunkirk. And the leader of the army sends one telegram to London with three words, but if not. You see, in those days, London still had a Christian base. So people would understand that this was a reference to this text. Now, if you didn't know, you could ask, but if not. But if not, we are going to fight We are going to trust God for deliverance, but if not, we will not surrender. We will not bow. Let me ask you something. Are you comfortable with the providence of God? Are you comfortable with the fact that God often deals with situations so differently? Here, here, are you comfortable with saying, Oh God, we believe that you are able to heal this young woman from cancer because her children need her. But if you don't, we'll continue to trust and to hang in there and believe anyway. We will go on believing God. That is the title of the presentation from Pastor Erwin Lutzer, We Will Not Bow, as was heard at the March 2023 VCY rally held in southeast Wisconsin. The entire presentation is available on both CD or DVD. Simply call our VCY switchboard during normal business hours at 1-800-729-9829 and request this rally from Dr. Erwin Lutzer. You may also order online at vcyamerica.org. Is America being Sovietized? Should we continue to go along with the narrative of the day? We will continue after this break. There is a significant uptick in the intensity of the issues bombarding us. It's not a single battle being waged, but an all-out war on numerous fronts. The attack on biblical values, the demonizing of Christianity, escalating lawlessness, the emerging secular agenda, and the growing control of the populace are all unfolding. These assaults share the common thread of globalism. Globalism by the powerful elite in order to have supremacy over the people, their land, government, commerce, energy, and even religion. In the book, Globalism, The Great World Consumption, author Richard Smith tackles these matters head on by not only looking at the perilous times in which we live, but to see how this lust for control is propelling us toward a one world political system and both a one world economic and religious system. The book Globalism is available from VCY for a donation of $16 or more when you call 1-800-729-9829. 
Thank you for joining us here on the VCY America Radio Network. Was our privilege here in March of 2023 to host Pastor Erwin Lutzer. His presentation, We Will Not Bow. If you have ever listened to Dr. Lutzer before, you know to be prepared for much truth, much sincerity, and also the right dose of humor. Just before the break, we explained how we would not be able to broadcast the entire rally for time constraints here on Crosstalk, but that audio CDs and or DVDs are available. We will cover that information again before we close today's program. Having taken us into the book of Daniel, teaching on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he used their example of refusing to bow to worship anyone other than the God of heaven, the God of the Bible. And he is here now really bringing this one home, that even for us today, whether it be through persecution or maybe through what even seems to be unanswered prayer, God can still be trusted. I'm a little older than some of you here. And I have to say that the older I get, in many respects, the more mysterious God is. I cannot figure God out. My parents, you know, they died. My mother died at 103. My father died at 106. They lived so long that I'm sure until my father died, all of their friends in heaven thought that they just didn't make it. No, they said, where are the losers? They thought God had forgotten their address. They didn't want to live that long. They wanted to go to heaven. Now, one thing in the last 20 or 25 years of their life, you can understand they had no peer pressure. But why do my parents live so long? And young people often die of cancer or debilitating disease and and you have all that. I do not know. I do not know. But this much I know is that we must follow these men and say, we will not bow. We will not swerve in our allegiance to you, though we do not understand and we cannot predict, and we are comfortable with the unpredictability of God. We pray for one thing, but we're willing to accept another. So they believed in the power of God, they believed in the providence of God, but they also believed in the presence of God. They knew that if they were thrown into the lake of fire, or rather the furnace of fire, they knew that if they did that, that God would be with them even if they were burned up, because God never forsakes his people. By the way, have you ever thought of the fact that uh, if they had bowed, they'd have missed the opportunity to see this miracle of protection? Because I assume you know the rest of the story. They were thrown into the fiery furnace that was made hotter than it had ever been made before. And when they were there, there was a fourth man who came and walked among them. And we believe that that fourth man was a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus. That's oftentimes what happened in Old Testament times before Christ came. There was this manifestation of Jesus. He comes and he walks, and Nebuchadnezzar sees that there are four men walking in the furnace, unbounded and free. And Jesus, who walked with them in the furnace, is the one also who can protect us from another fire that is coming, namely the fire of hell, because it is through him he saves us from the wrath to come. Up until that time, he walks with us through the fire, but then eventually, thanks be unto him, he not only does that, but he protects us from a fire that is still going to come. Now, here's what I'd like to do in the next few moments. I want to apply this to our situation here in the great United States of America. What are four or five lessons that I want you to take with you tonight? I don't know if you have a bulletin. I don't know if you have something to write on, but 
I notice that there is a lady over here. She's going to take notes. God bless you. God bless you in heaven. Your crown is going to be so heavy that your head will be tilted. So thank you to you. But we need to apply this to our present situation. Number one, we must learn to stand alone. We must learn to stand alone. Now, I know that there were three men who did not bow. They probably prayed together and, and uh, encouraged each other. But if your young person is in college today, he or she needs to learn to stand alone because they aren't going to have a lot of friends standing with them. And one of the biggest decisions that they will make when they arrive in college is this, am I going to go to church or am I not? Am I going to bond with others? But at the end of the day, they will not be talked out of their faith, but they might be mocked out of their faith. And the question is, will they stand alone? If you look back in history, you'll discover that the people that we honor the most, the ones who we really do focus on, are people who were willing to stand alone. Many of you know that I have more than simply a passing interest in the Reformation. As a matter of fact, there may be a copy of a book I've written there entitled Rescuing the Gospel. I've led tours to the sites of the Reformation in uh, Germany and Switzerland, lecturing there often. And even though I am not Lutheran, I have to admire Martin Luther. Here he is at the Diet of Orms, and he's standing there, and there's Charles, who of course was the head of the Holy Roman Empire, all of the German princes, and he believes that if he does not recant, he is going to be put to death. That's what happened to heretics in those days. So Luther asks, could I wait until tomorrow to make my decision? And they say, sure. Well, the next day, there were even more people in the room. He's confronted with his books, and many of you know this story, how he stands there and then he says this, My conscience is taken captive by the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. The room is hushed. Luther leaves. He expects to be killed, but Charles had said that we'll kill you when you go back to Wittenberg, and so he's on his way to the Wartburg Castle and uh, toward that direction, and some horsemen jump out of the ditch and catch him and capture him and put him in the castle. They were actually friends set up by his elector, the elector Frederick. But all of church history parts at that point because there was one man standing against the papacy, standing against a thousand years of church history, standing against tradition. And do you know that the freedoms that we enjoy today are actually traceable to that event where you have freedom of conscience. But the people that we remember are those who stood alone. Let me ask you a question today. Do you know any... Twelve, tri, Twelve spies were sent into the land of Israel under Joshua. You remember that. Do any of you know anyone of the ten who said, let's not go into the land? If you, without looking at your Bible or looking at your cell phone, know even one of those ten, come up to me later and I'll give you a hundred dollars. I don't have a hundred dollars, but Jim, I think you probably do. We don't remember those guys. Who do we remember? Joshua and Caleb. And as darkness comes upon America, more and more we're going to have to stand alone. This hockey player that I referred to, He's standing alone. And tonight, because this only happened this afternoon, tonight he is being vilified, even as I read before coming onto the platform. 
through social media, but he's standing alone. But the question is, how much does truth and Jesus mean to us? That's the first lesson. There's a second lesson, and that is we must fear God more than we fear the fire. We must fear God more than we fear the fire. These men feared God more than they feared the fiery furnace. And we've lost in our churches today the fear of God. Oh, we don't have to be scared of God. We're under grace. It is safer to sin than it used to be. No, the Bible says in First Peter that we had better do this journey with fear. Even if you're a believer, there will be judgments and disciplines that God brings against those who are disobedient to him. But we've lost that. But, excuse me, these men said, we will fear God more than we fear the fire. When I opened this message, I quoted Solzhenitsyn. And maybe you heard Solzhenitsyn say, and this is from the Gulag, regarding the people who were standing and clapping, their goose was cooked. Well, isn't that an interesting statement? Their goose was cooked. Where did that come from? Well, a hundred years before Luther, there was a man by the name of John Hus. And Hus preached the gospel of Jesus Christ in Prague, in the Czech Republic, in the Bethlehem Chapel. And uh, because he was preaching and the large crowds were coming, the Pope was not very happy with him, and he was taken and given the opportunity. He was accused of heresy. He was given the opportunity of going to Constance, where the church was having a synod, and uh, it is there that he would be tried for heresy. But good King Wenceslaus gave him a safe conduct, as did the emperor, Sigismund, and said, uh, you can be tried for heresy, but even if you're found guilty, you can go back home. Well, when he got to Constance, the emperor said he did not have to keep his word to a heretic. So Hus, Hus was put into a castle. They tried to break him down. They gave him only bread and water. He wrote many lovely letters back to his people. It's an amazing story. But in the Czech language, the word Hus means goose. Hus was taken. They put a crown on his head, and they said, We are committing your soul to the devil Hus said, I'm committing my soul into the hands of the living God. Most Christians who know they are dying say the same thing that Jesus did in his last words of the cross, into thy hands I commit my spirit. But before he said those words, he said to someone who was standing near him when he was taken to the stake to be burned, and he said this, you can cook this goose. But in a hundred years, a swan will arise, and him you will not silence. 102 years later, Luther nailed his 95 theses upon the castle church door in Wittenberg, and Luther said expressly that he believes that he was the fulfillment of Huss's prophecy. My point is simply this, that throughout history, if you study it at all, church history, you discover that many people were thrown into the flames because they feared God more than they did the fire, and they were not delivered like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. For many, many weeks, there have been protests in Israel over judicial reform. However, this weekend, the protests are now gaining global attention because there are thousands upon thousands in the streets to the point some are concerned about a civil war in Israel. Many of them are on the side of the left. Some are saying that the globalist and George Soros types may be fueling it, that many of the people in the streets may not even be from Israel. Remember, Israel is on the verge of maybe going to war with Iran. Great opportunity for those that back Iran to bring dissension and strife into Israel. The issue with the judicial reform, that's their issue, and it could be reform that's needed. We won't get into that. The bottom line is, the Bible says Israel will go through a time of great upheaval, and then will come a man of perdition, the Antichrist, to bring peace and stability. Is the stage being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled? Let's keep watch. 
Just before the break, Pastor Lutzer had given a couple of lessons for living for God in the hour that we are now in. The first was learn to stand alone. The second, fear God more than we fear the fire. And now he continues. There's a third lesson, and that is this. You can't choose your circumstances, but you can choose who you're going to worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego couldn't change the circumstances. They couldn't alter their culture, just like we probably can't. But the question is, are we going to be faithful in the culture, and are we going to be sure that we are faithful to Jesus Christ, no matter the cost, and that we will worship only him and take the consequences? There's another lesson, and that is we don't have to win in this life in order to win in the life to come. One of the great distinctions between Christians and others is what you find in the secular world, that secularists live only as if this is the only world that exists and the only world that matters. But you and I know that another world is coming. And if you're taking notes tonight, would you write this down, that the only thing that really matters is what matters for all eternity. The only thing that really matters is what matters for all eternity. I love to tell the story, which evidently is true, that when the Boxer Rebellion took place in China, that um, the Boxers came and they put a, they put a mat, as it were, at the door of the Christian school, and then they put a cross, they lay a cross on the mat. And they said to the students, if when you come out you step on the cross, you'll be able to live, because that means that you despise the cross. But if you you walk around the cross in honor of it, you're going to be shot. Well, according to the account that I read, the first seven students stepped on the cross, and they were allowed to live. But number eight was a girl. Before she left the school, she bowed her head and prayed that she would do what she knew she should. She walked around the cross in honor of it, and she was shot to death. But all the other students took her example. Was she a winner? Well, not in this life. Never had the opportunity of living. But you don't have to win in this life in order to win in the life to come. And you business people, on Monday morning where you are making some compromises with your conscience and you say, well, I need to live. Actually, you don't need to live. You'd be surprised at the number of people who die every day. The statistics on death are very impressive. There's some things that are more important than life itself. And believers throughout the centuries have proven that by faithfulness. And there is a life to come. There's another lesson, and that is the power of a faithful witness. Now I'm going to say something that you've probably never heard before, and it's going to shock you. And that is this, Nebuchadnezzar, this evil king, so evil that his soldiers threw Jewish babies against the wall when they were capturing the city of Jerusalem. All the things that you see on the news, as I mentioned, all done by Nebuchadnezzar and his armies. And by the way, those kinds of things have been happening throughout history. I could tell you stories, but nowadays we're aware of them because of television. But... um, Nebuchadnezzar, this evil king, probably is going to be in heaven. Oy vey. How's that going to happen? Did you know that God humbled him? And then he prayed, and he prayed one of the most remarkable prayers that I've quoted many times. I didn't review it today, but I think I'm going to still know it. And he accepted the God of Israel. 
At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever and ever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from one generation to another. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and amongst the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Takes your breath away. The absolute sovereignty of God accepting Israel's God. Why? Because of the witness of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Most probably because of the fiery furnace experience. That's a part of it. God humbled him. That's a part of it. You never know whom God might save. The most hard-hearted, indifferent person that you might meet may actually come to saving faith in Jesus Christ someday because of your witness. So don't see those who disagree with you as, as your ideological enemies. See them as rather as captives to the world system. Jesus made it very clear that Satan is the ruler of this world, and we must bear in mind that because he is, this world is full of lies. But a loving witness where God has planted you, you have no idea what God may do through you. Be a faithful witness. And for those of you tonight who have never trusted Christ as Savior, you've never savingly believed on him, you've listened to this message, you've heard a few things, what you need to do is this. You need to recognize that Jesus is the only Savior. Commitment to him after we receive his gift of eternal life is the greatest privilege that we could possibly ever have. And I urge you today to repent and to turn to him. For the message, We Will Not Bow, in its entirety, call the VCY switchboard between normal business hours at 1-800-729-9829. Request either CD or DVD of the rally with Pastor Erwin Lutzer, We Will Not Bow. On behalf of Jim Schneider, I'm Dalton Windsor. In light of the title of today's message, this reminder from Romans chapter 14. As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk.